Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We're thankful for such a beautiful day to come together to worship God in spirit and in truth. We're glad to have our campers back home. We're glad that you had a week to enjoy with other young people and pray that your week was profitable and that you made lasting friendships and learned a great deal. We're going to be looking today at Luke 16. I would call your attention to Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. The theme of our study today is going to be titled, From Here to Eternity. Because literally, when you think about life, one day, though we may reside here on planet Earth, we will stand on the shores of eternity. We know not when our life here on earth will end, but we know that unless the Lord comes first, one day we will walk the corridors of death. In Luke 16, we have the veil lifted for us, the only time that I know of in the scriptures that we have an account of what goes on in the eternal realm. And so we want to talk for just a moment or two about from here to eternity, because we read about two individuals that were literally here and then in a very short period of time were in eternity. And so today we think about this theme. Before we look at this passage of scripture, let me just say this. We always have a number of visitors here from week to week and for that we're very grateful. And we want to encourage each and every one of you who are visiting with us to, to come back. And if you are looking for a church home, I would encourage you to, to consider strongly the work here at Isla Branch. I know that the elders would be more than happy to sit down and talk to you about the many opportunities for service, not just in this church, but also in this community. There are a lot of great things that are going on in the church here, and we're very grateful to be a part of that. And I think that you would be blessed richly by joining hands with us and becoming a, a part of this great work. Having said that, let's look at Luke 16 as we think about the theme from here to eternity. As we look at the veil being lifted for us into the afterlife, there are some things that maybe all of us would do well to consider. The first thing that I would call your attention to is the reality of death. Death signifies a passing, a passing from one life to the next. James tells us that the body without the spirit is dead in James 2 at verse 26. In Luke 16, we read of two individuals. Both of these men had the opportunity to live here on planet Earth, but both of these men were ultimately swept into that eternal realm. I would call your attention, first of all, to their bios in life, and this has to do with their status in life. Because Luke affords us insight into their state while sojourning here on planet earth. Look, if you would, at verse 19. First of all, we think about the blessed man, that is, the rich man. The Bible says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. And the Bible says he fared sumptuously every day. In other words, he lived a life of luxury. But then in verse 20, we read about the beggar man. 
And here Jesus said, There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So here you have these two individuals on the opposite ends of the economic spectrum. One rich, one poor. One blessed, one a beggar. But then note, if you would, the brevity of life. Because both of these men, the blessed man, the beggar man, both of these men were swept into eternity. And so note what is said in verse 22. The, the text says, So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Whether we like it or not, we as members of the human family will one day be confronted with death. Now all of us have probably felt the sting of death to some extent. Maybe we've lost a mother, a father, grandparents, a brother, sister, a child, whatever the case may be. The Bible tells us over and over again that life in comparison to eternity is extremely brief. You see, Job acknowledged this much in chapter 14 at verse 1 when he said, Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. The psalmist in Psalm 90 at verse 10. In that context, he contrasts the eternal nature of God to that of man. He speaks of God as being from everlasting to everlasting. But then in relationship to man, he would say that the days of our years may be threescore and ten. Maybe we live to be fourscore years of age, that is, maybe we live to be eighty. But he said, it is accompanied by strength, sorrow, and labor. It is soon cut off and we fly away. And the idea there is that ultimately death comes to all. And so in verse 12 he would say, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. And then also in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Solomon, the wisest man of his day, noted in chapter 12 the demise of the human body, how the body begins to wear out and ultimately gives way to death. And so at death, he said, the body returns to dust. The spirit, however, returns to God who gave it in Ecclesiastes 12 at verse 7. Now, the Hebrew writer made this statement concerning the brevity of life. He said, It is appointed unto man once to die. After this cometh the judgment. And so, death is a common foe of the human family. I would encourage you at your next opportunity, read the book of Genesis chapter 5. In Genesis chapter 5, you have literally a commentary on the human family because over and over again, the expression is made, And he died. And really that sums up those of us who live here on planet earth. We're born and ultimately we die. And so with that in mind, we note the reality of death. But now let's note in the second place the realms of the dead. When we talk about the realms of the dead, we're specifically addressing two distinct places. The Bible in Luke Chapter 16 lifts the veil for us into what is called the Hadean realm. And in Hades, we read of the abodes of the dead. 
the righteous and the unrighteous. Having said that, note if you would what is said. Let's back up and note verse 22. Because here we read about the death of the beggar. That is the death of Lazarus. And we're going to talk about their fate. Because in looking at the fate of Lazarus, we find that he went to a place called Abraham's bosom. And so with that in mind, look at verse 22. The Bible says that so it was so, it was so that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. What is Abraham's bosom? Well, in Luke chapter 23, you recall Jesus, while hanging upon the cross, said to one of the thieves, one of the thieves had made the statement to the Lord, Remember me when you come in your kingdom. Jesus had this to say, Today you will be with me in paradise, in verse 43. Paradise is simply the bosom of Abraham. It is the abode of the righteous. Every person who steps out into eternity in a right relationship with God goes to paradise or the bosom of Abraham. Now the Bible says that the angels bore the soul, bore the spirit of Lazarus over into that Hadean realm. Let me just cite for you a couple of things regarding this abode. Number one, it is a place of rest. How do I know it's a place of rest? Well, drop down and look at verse 25. Here we find Abraham saying unto the rich man, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is what? He is comforted. When we talk about paradise or the bosom of Abraham, we're talking about a place of rest, a place of comfort. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 14, or rather chapter 14, verse 13, John the apostle said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. Yea, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Paradise is a place of rest. We talk about life and the toils and the labors and the trials and the tribulations that we experience here on planet Earth. Well, they're common to us. We live in a world subjected to these things. But that's not the case in paradise. In paradise, we have the opportunity to rest from our labors. We are comforted from the toils and the trials and the tribulations that are so common to us here upon this earth. A second thing that I think we find in looking at this abode called paradise or Abraham's bosom is the fact that it is a place of rejoicing. If you look at the scriptures, you'll find that there are a number of statements made by the Apostle Paul about death. And I think Paul viewed death in a very positive way. As a matter of fact, he welcomed death. And there was a reason for that. In Philippians chapter 1 at verse 21, Paul would say, For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. In verse 23, he would say, To depart and be with Christ is far better. Why would it be far better? Because it's unlike this world. It is a, it is a realm, a region, free from the cares and the anxieties and the worries of life. It's a place where we are in the presence of God, where we've gone home to be with the Lord. It's a place of rejoicing. I think about people stepping out into eternity, going home to be with God. 
The thought that continues to reoccur in my mind is, thank God I made it. Thank God I'm in this beautiful place called paradise, the abode of the righteous. It's a place of rejoicing. To know that that we're now going to spend eternity in the presence of God forevermore. But then there is a third thing that I would call attention to as we think about paradise. And that is the fact that it is a place whereby we enjoy reunions. That is, we are reunited with loved ones from days gone by. Now, sometimes people ask the question, how do I know that I'm going to be with people that, that at one time graced planet Earth? If you go back to Genesis chapter 25 at verse 8, you read about the life of Abraham. Abraham, as you know, was called the friend of God. He was the father of the Hebrew nation. It was through the lineage of Abraham that all nations of the earth would be blessed, according to Genesis chapter 12 at verse 3. But in Genesis 25 verse 8, the Bible says that Abraham died at a good old age, full of years. And here's what the text says. He was gathered to his people. What does that signify? It it signifies to me that there was a reunion that took place on the part of Abraham and his people. His wife, Sarah, had died some years earlier. Sarah, as you know, had stood faithfully at his side for many, many years. They had together enjoyed the blessings of a child, a child of promise, Isaac. They had seen good times and bad times, joys, frustrations, trials, tribulations, all of the things that accompanied them in this life. But now the Bible says that Abraham has died. When Sarah died, the Bible says he came to to mourn for her, to weep for her. Why? Because he had lost a loved one. But now in Genesis 25, verse 8, he is reunited with his people. And I think he was reunited with Sarah. And so those are some of the blessings that accompany us in that eternal realm that is called paradise. Now, there is a second abode that we read about in Luke 16. It, too, is a part of the Hadean realm. Note, if you would, what is said concerning the rich man. The Bible says that he also died and was buried. Nothing is said about the burial of the poor beggar man. Whether or not he had a proper burial, one can only surmise. Maybe he was buried in a potter's field. Whatever the case may have been, nothing great was said about how his body was taken care of or disposed of in this life. But with regard to the rich man, he was buried. And the Bible says, And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. Now, some translations use the word hell. In 2 Peter chapter 2 at verse 4, we have a more accurate rendering of this abode that is spoken of here in Luke 16. And it has to do with the angels that sinned. The Bible says that God cast them down to a place called Tartarus. It's spelled T-A-R-T-A-R-U-S. It is the abode of the unrighteous. That is where the rich man found himself at this juncture in time. When Jesus said that he was in torments in Hades, he's really talking about 
the realm or the abode of the unrighteous, the place called Tartarus. Every person who steps out into eternity, unprepared to meet Almighty God, that's where they go. Just as certainly as the righteous go to paradise or Abraham's bosom, the unrighteous, they go to this abode called Tartarus. It is a place of torment. Now, let me just make a couple of statements along these lines. First of all, it is a place of misery. And I think the text suggests that much. Note, if you would, verse 23. The Bible says, And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Now note what is said. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Make no mistake about it. Those who step out into eternity unprepared to meet God go to a place that is filled with misery. There's nothing good about the abode of the unrighteous. There's not one thing positive that can be said about this abode. As a matter of fact, it is a, pl it is a place of excruciating pain and anguish. I think it's a place of sorrow. Now, one of the things that I believe makes this abode so horrendous is reflected in verse 25. Because in verse 25, Abraham said to the rich man, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received good things. That word remember suggests the memories that accompany, accompany us into the next realm. The haunting, searing memories of life. Now, for those of us who are, who are Christians, who are walking hand in hand with Almighty God, who are doing our dead level best to live a faithful life in the eyes of God, the memories that will flood our soul in, in that region or realm known as paradise or the bosom of Abraham, I think they'll be good memories, happy memories. But that's not the case for those who are in this abode known as Tartarus. Because you see, forevermore, they'll live with the fact that maybe they had time and opportunity to obey the gospel. Maybe they had time and opportunity to live in a way that would be pleasing to Almighty God, and they rejected that. The haunting searing memories of a life spent in vanity. Now, I know that there are a lot of people in our world today that when we talk about eternity, when we talk about heaven and hell and, 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 and things of this nature, they want to minimize the death of the unrighteous. They want to poke fun at those of us who believe in the afterlife. Let me tell you what. There are some that have the idea that if there are some that have the idea that if they lose their soul, they'll just go to hell and take it. Let me tell you what, you won't go to hell and just take it. You won't go to a place called Tartarus and just take it. Just because you're big and rough and tough 
And just because you have everything going for you in this life doesn't mean that if you lose your soul and you go to a place called Tartarus, waiting, awaiting the judgment, wherein you will ultimately be cast into Gehenna, the hell of fire, don't think for a moment that you'll just go there and take it and you'll make the best of it. You won't go there and take it and you won't make the best of it. You'll live in anguish every single minute you're there. Now, when we talk about this theme, from here to eternity, somebody asked the question, how long does it take to get into eternity? Just that long. You can literally be here one second and in eternity the next. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. I think about people on planet Earth they're going about their daily business and just that fast they're in eternity. What is death? It is the separation of the body and the spirit. When death occurs, that spirit does not return. There are some that have the idea that they can preserve the human body and that at some point in time in the future, when scientists and doctors find a remedy for, for the cause of their death, they can be resurrected. That's not going to happen. There will be a resurrection, but the Lord Jesus Christ will initiate the resurrection of the dead. And that's when the body and the spirit will be reunited based on 1 Corinthians 15. But when you step out into eternity, if you step out into eternity unprepared to meet Almighty God, let me just say this. There is no way the human vernacular can describe what you will face. I'm not sure that the human vocabulary can accommodate what you, need, what you can expect when you step out into eternity. It'll be that bad. Now we talk about it being hot here. And I know sometimes people will talk about, about the heat and how it's got to be as hot as hell. Let me tell you what. It's not even close. Can we understand that? It's not even close to how hot it'll be in hell. Thirdly, in looking at our text, let's talk about the responsibility that we have in light of death. When I think about responsibility... The thing that comes to my mind is the need to prepare, to plan. And in looking at our text, we find one was prepared and one was unprepared. Now, two things I want to share with you. The first is this, by way of preparation. There is danger in delay. I don't know how to say it any other way other than this, the rich man waited too late. He was a day late and a dollar short, as we say it. He waited too late. Once he got into that eternal realm, that's when that light went off and he started thinking about eternity. And not just for himself, but for his family members. He waited too late. In Amos chapter 4, verse 12, there's an interesting statement made by the prophet. Amos said in the long ago, prepare to meet 
your God. Now we can lift that verse out of its context and make this application. At some point in the future, you and I, we're going to stand in the presence of God. How do I know that? Because the Bible says we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In Romans chapter 14, Paul would say, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. So then each of us must give an account of himself to God. We're going to be in the presence of God. We're going to stand before Him. If we're going to stand in the presence of God and give an account of the deeds done in the body according to what we've done, whether good or bad, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 10, we would do well to make preparation. We would do well to make sure that our hearts and lives are ready to meet our Maker. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, there's a statement made that I think is applicable to what we're saying. The Bible says, the bride has made herself ready. The bride is the church. Those who are in the church who are faithful to the Lord, they have made themselves ready. In other words, they're prepared. They've taken, they've taken it upon themselves to act responsibly, to live right, to do right, and ultimately they're ready, they're ready to meet the bride. Let me just ask this question. Are you ready? Have you made preparation to meet your God? What would you need to do? Well, first of all, if you're not a Christian, the Bible says you don't have any hope at all. As a matter of fact, Paul would say in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, you are without hope and without God in this world. You don't have one bit of hope, not one shred of hope. We talk about stepping out into eternity, unprepared to meet God. I think that's why the Hebrew writer would say in Hebrews 10, verse 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. In other words, it's a fearful thing to die unprepared to meet Almighty God. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, verse 23. Well, what do you need to do? You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is who He claims to be, the divine Son of the living God. You need to repent of every sin. Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Then you have to confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that He is the Son of God. Be buried with Him in a watery grave of baptism, rising to walk in newness of life. We're baptized into Christ for salvation, Mark 16, verse 16. For the washing away of our sins, Acts 22, verse 16. So we have to be baptized into Christ. You may be here and you are a member of the body of Christ, but you are unfaithful. You're not living like you should. Let me tell you what, you're not prepared. You're not prepared to meet God. You're not ready to stand before Him on the day of judgment. You'll find yourself in the same condition as the rich man. You'll be in torment. And so the admonition to you would be to come back to the Lord. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, in commenting upon the danger of delay, let me just make this point very quickly. The duty of doctrine. This man was concerned about his brothers. He was concerned that his brothers would die and find themselves in a similar predicament. The rich man wanted Lazarus to go back and warn them. And the Lord, in his narration of this, 
said in the long ago, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. All Jesus is saying is, you better put, you better put a premium on God's word. You better understand that this book right here will guide you from earth to eternity. If you don't listen to the teaching of this book, the teachings of this book, you don't have a prayer. The only thing that's going to warn us and, and, and help us ready ourselves for eternity is the Bible. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Maybe you're here today. Maybe your life's not what it ought to be. It very well may be the case that all of us will be in eternity before midnight tonight. Who knows? The Lord may come. Death may intervene. We don't know. But we know this much. We can literally be here one second and in eternity the next. The question is, are you ready for eternity? Come as we stand and sing.